This is Case Closed, crime stories from the golden age of radio. This is Case Closed. Welcome back. Thanks for joining me this Wednesday. Our hour of old-time radio crime begins with Broadway is my beat. We'll hear the Tom Kiefer murder case from September 22nd, 1951. After that, it's Boston Blackie and the Simmons construction murder. His episode from November 29th, 1945. Broadway's My Beat, from Times Square to Columbus Circle, the gaudiest, the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway's My Beat, with Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. In autumn sunlight, the September day trots out its promises for Broadway's considering, displays them in doorways, in pushcarts, in gutters, decorates them with price tags, invites you to browse, don't touch, buy, don't squeeze. And at cut rates are the second-hand delights, the tears slash down to any man's purse, the bolt ends of dreams. The vendors simper, the hawkers wink, buy, kid. That's a winter sun on your shoulder, and the day is short, so buy. And that's what you do, kid, because on Broadway, there's no other choice. And at police headquarters, the September's day has arranged its wares of violence on your desk, stacked as to category, degree, grade. Because the day is still fresh, you put off the reaching for them, the touching of them, but it screams close to your ear. In the morgue, Danny... Come down, I got something of interest to you. And walk the corridor to the room of the dead. Through the swinging doors into a place without season, where all nights, all days are of equal length, where temperature is constant, where the wind is conditioned before it's let flow over death. Walk up to the man who waits for you. A nervous twitch, Danny, to juggle things in my right hand. Maybe I'll be remembered for it. What have you got, Dr. Sinsky? The man lying there. They found him in his bed last night, murdered these that murdered him. Two bullets. Look. Yeah, a 22 and, and a 32. Wouldn't you say so, Doctor? That I wouldn't know. What I know is only one of these was needed to kill him. Either one. The man was wanted dead twice, Dan. He was killed twice. Two bullets, different size, twice dead. You know who he was? When they brought him to me last night, there was a tag on him. A name, Tom Keeler. An address, the Nixon Hotel. Nothing else. No other word to the living about why such things You're happen. sure, Doctor? You're sure that... The... Each wound was a mortal wound, Danny. Each wound could... Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. You want these, huh? Yeah. Take them. And that's the way my day began the ingredients of it were a medical examiner, a murdered man, and two bullets. In a room of no value except to the dead, except to those whose business is with death. Consider that briefly, then push it away. Leave, go, get out, and hurry. And in the corridor, find what you're looking for. The breath of air not controlled by a thermostat. Then the walk down the hall... 
turn over the two bullets to technical. Then outside, in the squad car, and the ride to West 25th Street, and to the Nixon Hotel, to the five-story brownstone that seemed to list from pressure of the insurance housing project next door to it. Go in. Ring a bell. Wait. I'll be greeted by the man in gray suspenders and no shirt. Morning. Good morning. Uh, I'm Danny Clover, police. Randy Quantrill, hi. You had a little trouble here last night, didn't you? Oh, just a mess of it. Did you know the man who was killed? You mean Tom, huh? That's right, Tom Keeler. What do you mean, know him? Uh, talk to him, have a beer with him. Said hi to him, that's about the extent of my to-do with him. How about visitors? Did, did he have any? Look at the sign over my shoulder, Mr. Clover. Mr. Clover, I know some Clovers down in Selma, Alabama. You any kin to no, any no, Clover? No, no, no. Look at the sign over my shoulder. N.O. visitors, no visitors. And you think just because the sign is there, Tom Keeler didn't have any visitors? No, no, I don't, mister. We got a sign in each and every room says no smoking in bed. In the last year, we had three mattress fires. So what I'm saying is I never saw anybody sneak past this desk that I said to myself, there's a Tom Keeler visitor. What else about Keeler? Oh, he got mail this morning. Maybe I ought to tell you that. Yeah, maybe you should. I'm going to. Fresh mail that come this morning. Here, the letter. Oh, thanks. From the Great Northern National Bank. So I see. Please come in and talk to us with regards to your commercial account at your earliest convenience. You read upside down, Mr. Quantrill? I've lived in Baltimore. Oh. Thank you, Mr. Quantrill. Thanks a lot. And for that, Randy Quantrill winked at me, laughed noiselessly at me. <laughs> Leaned against the mail rack, scratched his back with it. It wasn't the moment to intrude any longer on such private pleasures. So I left him. At the Great Northern National Bank, a guard, uniformed in tattletale gray, took my name, my business, walked down a marble aisle with them. An aisle lined with identical desks, identical faces behind them. Unerringly, the guard chose one, the right one. This was a shrewd guard. He muted his voice to the extracurricular business I had brought to the Great Northern, offered it to the man. The man considered it, digested it, and when he had it all in order, motioned me to the chair the guard had placed discreetly close to him. I'm told we can help you, Mr. Clover. A man named Tom Keeler had a checking account here. We're aware of it. Therefore, then you know that he was murdered last night in a cheap hotel? We're aware of many things, Mr. Clover. Our research... I'm sorry, I can't hear you. What did you say? I say that our research department makes a point of informing each of us here on many diverse matters. Matters that could even most remotely concern. Thank you. Big pardon? I said thank you because you let me hear what you had to say. Hmm. I was appointed, Mr. Clover. Should any questions arise about the late Thomas Keeler? Should any questions arise, I was to answer the question. Your interrogation is what, Mr. Clover? We down at headquarters think it's strange Tom Keeler slept in a flop house when he had a, a checking check account with us. Uh huh. Philosophical question, Mr. Clover. What out of my father? Pardon me, what? <clears throat> I say that all we know of Thomas Keeler is that we were asked to transfer $50 weekly to his account, which we have done religiously until. Who asked you to do that? Counselor's Law, General. George Weber. If you want his address, we shall give it to you. Thanks. Uh, you were saying you did this until... Until what? Until two weeks ago. Possibly two weeks in the fraction of the day. 
And Mr. Weber asked us to discontinue his generosity. Why? I suggest that it's a personal matter concerning Mr. Weber. What? What? I, I'm sorry. I, I said uh, that I would... Never mind. Probably wasn't important. And go to the Park Avenue apartments of George Weber. Be told by the person at the desk that Mr. Weber is not at home. Perhaps at his office, the person suggested. And be handed a slip of paper with the office address in a handwriting with the eyes dotted with small circles. Weber and Marley, the slip said. Attorneys, finance building, suite 12. Go there. Go through a door and past the beam of an electric eye. Wade through a carpet to a desk and an olive-skinned girl with tight black hair. Offer your name, show your credentials, and be told Mr. Weber is out. Would you see his partner, Mr. Paul Marley? You would. You nodded past another door and another beam. And to a slender young man who is waiting for you in front of a wall lined with every law book ever written. Be chaperoned by him through yet another door. There he was, Paul Marley, partner to George Weber, impeccable in morning coat, striped pants, and an army discharge button in his lapel. That'll be all, Robertson. Now, sit down, please, Mr. Or Clover. Clover, please sit down. Thank you. The information you gave out there says you're a policeman. That's right. And this is about what, sir? What can I do for you? It's about a man named Tom Keeler. Keeler? Keeler? man found murdered last night. Yes. Shot twice with different caliber bullets, either one fatal. Yes. Is all this a matter of legal advice for the police department? You want to know if a man was shot by two people and each That's shot... That's not finished. it at all. Uh, Tom Keeler, it seems, was supported by your partner. By Mr. Weber. That's right. Each week, $50 was drawn on Mr. Weber's account and deposited in favor of Tom Keeler. Uh, surely There's it no is mistake. Some... That's the way it was. But I know Mr. Weber so well. His affairs, everything... Where is he? On Fire Island, since the day before yesterday. He has a place there. I'm pretty sure he went there. A lot of season for Fire Island, isn't it? Oh, I don't think so. The end of September? Mr. Weber goes there all year round. Whenever. Whenever what? Whenever he's disturbed. He has the idea of the sea, the strand, the loneliness of it. Personally, I What was I Mr. Weber disturbed about? Well, he has a sister, Peggy. She's just 20, so you can imagine. No, I can't. Beautiful girl of 20, rich, and you can't imagine. Look, Mr. Marley... My you're... partner was constantly arguing with her. We're a conservative firm, Mr. Clover. Individually, both Mr. Weber and myself... What's that got feel... to do with Peggy? Peggy Weber is headstrong. How? Well, I take my partner's word for it that she's headstrong. Therefore... And they argued, Peggy and her brother. What about? I have no idea. He went to Fire Island to recuperate. One way of saying it. Anything else, Mr. Clover? No? Then please, these documents here, if you don't mind. And get in touch with the authorities at Fire Island. Check on the whereabouts of Mr. George Weber and wait. And an hour later, a phone call. Mr. Weber is not on Fire Island. Mr. Weber's place there is deserted. From the looks of it, hasn't been inhabited for over a month. So come up with a conclusion. Mr. George Weber was missing. Put out an all-points bulletin on him. And go back to his Park Avenue apartment. Make a request of the management. We're always glad to accommodate the uh, police. Then uh, let's go, shall we? Of course. Mr. Weber's apartment, right this way, down the hall. Yes, sir. Although, uh, <clears throat> I'd like to know why we should intrude. Don't worry about it. Yes, sir. 
Open the door. Of course. And here we are. Yeah. We are. What? What did you say? Uh, what did you say, Mr. Clover? I didn't... Oh. It stopped both of us. The management and myself. It was a sight that needed only one glance, and the details were there forever. The free-shaped coffee table and the grotesquerie of the man spread beside it. The tracery of blood that stopped abruptly. Mr. Webber, that's Mr. Webber. The penknife, bone-handled and cheap in his heart, to be remembered. Details in the death of George Webber. You are listening to Broadway's My Beat, written by Morton Fine and David Friedkin, and starring Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover. There will be a slight pause while we think of an adjective to describe Mario Lanza. Sorry, guess there just isn't one adjective to describe a guy who sings just as well in the popular range as in the classics. But here's a suggestion. On CBS Radio tomorrow night over most of these same stations, don't miss Mario Lanza's all-request show. And more of the same by lovely Giselle McKenzie and Ray Sinatra's music. When the night slips out of Broadway's fingers and the false dawn blurs the shadows, Broadway stands bewildered. The carnival is run down. Only the stragglers walk it with their step without pattern, like their dreams. And the color of their loneliness is the darkened neon, the last sparks of a cigarette butt, and pavement gray. And they walk it. They never know. Broadway's closed for the night. And somehow or another, whether it deserves it or not, the world gets to be nine o'clock in the morning. Then there's a place for everybody. It's daytime, breakfast time, work time, make a dollar time. Or as Sergeant Gino Tataglia said it, Lend me a dollar, Danny. Oh, sure, Gino. Here. Oh, thank you. The reason for this transaction, Danny, no, is... No, you don't have to explain. I want to. I want to. Go right ahead. Thank you. Mrs. Tartaglia forgot to tuck my dollar into my lunchbox today, as is her wont, for the little things a man needs during the day. She just phoned me and confessed her dereliction of duty in this matter. Gino, She it's... said, ask Danny for it. And tomorrow, she will tuck in two dollars so that you will not go hungry. Tell Mrs. T not to worry you. Roger, welcome. And now, Danny, to the chores of the day. Knife which did George Weber in was of the variety which can be purchased at our leading hardware stores for the nominal sum of one ninety-eight. Practically untraceable. Prince? Wiped clean. Go on. Well, that's about the sum and substance of the intelligence which has been shunted from the downstairs to the here, Danny. As of now. However. Yes? A young lady is in the ante room and wants to see you. Who is she? A Miss Peggy Webber, sister of the most latterly deceased. Get her. This way to see Danny Clover. Now sit down, Miss Webber. Oh, that'll be all, Gino. I'm glad you came, Miss Webber. Your name's right here on my calendar to see today. I knew you'd want to question me about George. How did you hear about his death? I was home, the late news on the radio. You see, I didn't live with my brother. We didn't get along. Oh? going to be a lot simpler now with him gone. I wore a black dress like this one for a month and call it a decent interval of mourning. It's not any concern of mine, Miss Weber, Oh, it's but... entirely your concern, Mr. Clover. Your position demands that you locate people who would have motives for murdering my brother. 
I would. Did you kill him? A few of my friends and I got together some time ago. For kicks. We were going to try things together, you know. Just for kicks. Black magic. Well, I spent the first ten days of my membership sticking pins into my brother's picture. And all that happened is that he got a sty on his eye. Outside of that, I never harmed a hair on his head. Why all this hate, Miss Warner? Simply this. I love a boy. I told George about him. George got red, then blue, red again, and then a lovely color I never saw before. He found out who the boy was. Ruined him. Who is the boy? Ralph Clay. Now runs a bowling alley on third. Uh, one more thing. Do you know a man named Tom Keeler? Not offhand, why? Oh, never mind. Well, leave your address to Sergeant Tataglia, Miss Weather, and thank you very much. You, Ralph Clay? Huh? Oh, hello. He asked me. I died. I... You walk into an empty hall, mister. Feel real sorry about it. Well, don't be. Uh, this way we can have a long talk. Shall we? Uh, don't let it get away, Miss Mister. I'll take care of this thing coming up. Kingpin 70. Challenge. What do you think? Go ahead. Watch me. <laughs> Never say go ahead to me in that tone, mister. Not on that shot. My quirk each day I live for it. I'll remember, Mr. Clay. Look. Police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stick your thumb in the ball, mister, please. Have fun. I'll write it off under entertainment. Joint's bare, no one will know. Something Peggy Weber said. It sent me to you. <laughs> Peggy? Girl of class. She tell you I kill her brother? I got the impression she was in love with you. Pity the girl. She lives in ancient history. In a time where she loved and I loved back. But ancient history. Under the bridge. Peggy did something to you? She had a brother. Now dead, I read. It stopped me for a breath on the way to the sports page. George Weber did something to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm a man who likes to talk about it. My daily nourishment. Share it with me? Huh. Georgie Porgy Weber didn't like how his sister used to put her hand in mine, so Martin Rousey. How? Standing before you, Mr. Police, is a boy who once thought he was a lawyer. Cap in hand, he went to Georgie, his soon-to-be brother-in-law, asked for a job, keep it in the family. Georgie smiled, shook his head no. And with words and music, he told me he'd spoiled me any job I took, many of them. Because you loved his sister? I was second in my class in law school. You know, invent other reasons? Why, hey, Peggy, for you. Things like that, running the blood. I'm going to stick around till it comes out and Peggy and slaps me in the head. Then that gives you a motive for having killed Weber. Yeah, ain't that a luck, man. And Tom Keeler, what did you have for him? Keeler? A man who got killed in a flea bag. A man Weber supported until... Typical, typical. This supporting him. Good old Uncle Tom was an old friend of George's and Peggy's father. After the father died, Uncle Tom still hung around. Why is he called Uncle? Peggy calls him Uncle because he was her confessor, her healer. Everything that ate Peggy, she brought to good old Uncle Tom. Not to her brother. Who goes to a man like that except to kill him? <laughs> Give you something to ponder, Mr. Police? Yeah, you did. I'm glad. 
makes me want to live through another day. Watch the bitter boy make his strike. Yeah, yeah. And consider the lie he'd flipped to you. The girl's lie that she didn't know Tom Keeler. And wonder over it. Jot it down in memory as a future conversation piece with Peggy Weber. And then, remember a man who said he knew all about George Weber, everything. Everything but the mention of Keeler's share in his partner's life. Go to him, wait for him to finish his preening. To taste to the full the decorations bestowed upon men of know-how. Got this little time machine for being on my toes, Mr. Clover. Handsome tidbit, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. Seventeen jewels, Hamilton. All because I proved in court the chap's wife had been unfriendly to said chap. <laughs> Look what the grateful devil had engraved on the gold. To chum Paul Marley for setting me free. To chum. What was there about Tom Keeler that shut your mouth about I, my compliments, Mr. Clover. Brilliant strategy. Attack while the enemy celebrates minor victories. In tactics class at Fort Meade... You told me to... about Weber. Personal things about him. His sister. Why not about Tom Keeler? It pained me. For George's sake. My deceased partner's sake. It pained me. You'll show me where it hurts. You think you'll be able to understand? Don't answer. It doesn't matter. Keeler was a derelict, a bum, a hungry shadow in George's closet. That's why George opened that account for him. To keep him from coming here to beg. George and I had a large investment here. The presence of Keeler was Weber cut off the account. At my insistence, my counsel, it made quite a row the other day. Between Tom and George, I had to shoot people back to their desks. You killed George Weber? Attack, attack. I admire your method, Mr. Clover. Well, the investment, the plush carpets, the perfumed secretaries, the junior partners, all yours now. You kill Weber for that? The death of my partner was a great loss to me, Mr. Clover. A personal loss. Were it in my humble power to hunt out his assassins, I would dedicate my knowledge, my life, my... Yes? Uh, Danny, something I can do for you? Uh, Dr. Sinsky, I have an idea about something. I want you to check it for me. Gladly. Get out the medical examiner's report on Tom Keeler. Gladly. Uh, here. What do you want it for? I want to put it side by side with this one I've got on George Weber. So? Here, look. It says uh, Weber died the day before yesterday at approximately 6 p.m. Uh-huh. And it says on this report that Keeler died about midnight on the same day. You know what that means, Doctor? No, what? There's a pencil on your desk. Figure it out. You used my address after all. Mind if I come in, Miss Weber? This evening you can go as far as calling me Peggy. But you can't come in. I'm afraid I'll have to... You'll have to force your way in? <laughs> I could relish that. Peggy. But a friend's visiting. Ralph Clay. You said the password. If you know that, you might as well come in. Ralph! Come out, come out, wherever you are. Say hello to Mr. Clover, Ralph. 
No, you know. I didn't know whether you'd broken off with Peggy or not. It doesn't matter anymore. You want to ask Peggy questions? You too. Goody, goody. You lied to me too, Peggy. Because I'm a liar. I give her up a lot of trouble that way, don't I, Ralph? Let's just listen to what the man has to say. You lie about Keeler, Peggy. You said you didn't know who he was. I explained it to you. I'm a liar. I found out who killed your brother, Peggy. I said I... We heard you. There were a lot of motives floating around, Peggy. Yours... Leave her alone. She didn't kill her brother. I... Oh, cut it out. Peggy. Ralph had nothing to do with it. I did it. What's the matter with you, Peggy? You're crazy. You're a liar. You lie. That's why you're saying you kill your brother. Ralph, Ralph... Neither one of you killed him. You thought Ralph did, Peggy, and Ralph... What are you trying to do to us, Clover? What are you doing? Police methods trying to get us to play against oh, each other? Take it easy, Ralph. Go on, take it easy, Ralph. Take it easy, Ralph. What are you trying to say? Talk, talk! Tom Peggy. Keeler killed Peggy's brother. Clover, so help me out. Listen to me, both of you. Clover! Let him talk, Ralph. Keeler killed him because his source of income was cut off. A man like Keeler could kill him. Desperate man. A man without livelihood. A tramp who made a habit of living off someone else's generosity. Ralph... Ralph, it's all my fault. You found your brother dead, didn't you? Yes, and I... And you thought Ralph did it. Yes, I thought... Oh, Ralph. It's going to be all right. Peggy went to her Uncle Tom like she always did when she was in trouble. Told him Ralph had killed her brother. What did Tom Keeler say to you, Peggy? He said... He said not to worry. Just not to worry. Then he got in touch with you, huh, Ralph? Yeah. You know what he told me? I think so. He told me Peggy killed her brother. And he was a killer all the time. And I'm supposed to be a bright boy. So he had each of you believing the other had killed George Weber. How much money did he want from each of you to protect the other? Oh, what difference does it make? Doesn't matter. Blackness. That's why Tom Keeler's dead, too. Murdered. Yeah. Slap the cuffs on me for that one, Clover. No, Ralph. No more. You don't have to anymore. Mr. Clover, my uncle said he wanted everything I had to keep quiet about Ralph. So I went up to his hotel room while he was sleeping. And shot him. No. No, Peggy, that's what I... That's what you both did. Protect the others. You both shot Tom Keeler. Hey, hey, baby. Stop her! Stop her! There's a time on Broadway when the crowd gives up, goes home. The lights buzz fitfully, die. Then it's a street of dim moonlight and dark whispers and the wind of the autumn night, the wind that scatters everything. Yesterday's headlight, yesterday's dreams, yesterday's people. It's Broadway, the, the gaudiest the most violent, the lonesomest mile in the world. Broadway, my beat. Hey, Ralph. 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 Hey, Ralph.
Broadway's My Beat stars Larry Thor as Detective Danny Clover, with Charles Calvert as Tartaglia and Jack Crucian as Mugovan. The program was produced and directed by Elliot Lewis, with musical score composed and conducted by Alexander Courage. In tonight's story, Lillian Bayef was heard as Peggy Weber, Anthony Barrett as Ralph Clay, Paul Fries as Randy Quantrill, Bob Bruce as Mr. Chase, and Edgar Barrier as Paul Marley. Here are two Sunday features that have captured America's fancy year in and year out. On Sunday afternoon, the distinguished music of the Symphonette, directed by Michelle Piastro. On Sunday evening, the outstanding vocals of the Coraliers. Listen for both these musical treats every Sunday on most of these same CBS radio stations. The Symphonette in the afternoon, in the evening, the Coraliers. Stay tuned now for Songs for Sale, which follows immediately over most of these same stations. Bill Anders speaking. And remember, this Monday night, Lux Radio Theater features 13 Hollywood stars in the gala salute on the CBS Radio Network. your step up here, and you can live forever on jobs like these. Yeah, but who wants to live forever? Well, there you go. Hey, Bill, what the... Tom, Mike, somebody come up here, quick. Hey. Bell's collapsed. Hey. What's the matter with him, Joe? Bell's do Giddy, I don't know. Just fell down like an empty sack. Hey. You better give me a hand with him. Hey. Signal for the elevator to come up empty. Hey. 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 Oh, what's the matter? Look, there's a bullet hole in him. Hey. What? Bullet hole? Bill shot up here on the 20th floor, you crazy. I wish I was, Tom. Because Bill's dead. Cash? Beneficial Finance Company has the cash you want for any good reason. Just say the word. Call up. 
us how much you want and when you want it. You're the boss. Yes, you're the boss. At Beneficial. Right now, you get ready cash at Beneficial. The instant way to clean up bills, buy the things you need, do the things you want. For service that's just a little friendlier and faster, come to Beneficial for ready cash. Just say the word. When you want cash, for any good reason, just tell us how much you want and when you want it. You're the boss. You're the boss. At Beneficial. Beneficial Finance Company. And now back to Boston Blackie. Enemy to those who make him an enemy. Friend to those who have no friends. But, Faraday, you have to do something about these parking tickets. Look, John, you've been telling me that for 15 minutes. And for 15 minutes, I've told you there's nothing I can do. Now, we might as well talk about something else. Well, let's talk about Boston Blackie. I'm on my way up to see him. He's sick, you know. Hey, look, let's leave Blackie out of it. What's the matter, Inspector? Don't you want Blackie to get along? What I think of Blackie is my own business. And nothing's the matter as long as he can't get out of bed. Now, you know you miss him. Yeah, like I'd miss a toothache. But uh, let's not talk about him. Good. Let's get back to those parking tickets of mine. Oh, no. As I said before, I'm the contractor on that building going up at 1021 50th. Yeah, I know, but there's... The police say my trucks are blocking traffic. I know, I know. I can't do anything about it. Look, Faraday, that's a big construction job. 36 stories. My trucks have to park in the street while they're waiting to unload. John, there's nothing I can do. Look, you're a police officer. Can't you handle ordinary parking tickets? A little while ago, you were talking about Blackie. Now you're talking like him. You know, um, maybe I'd better suddenly get busy. Really, Faraday, isn't there something you can do? Your trucks are parking illegally, John, and that's up. Excuse me. Hello, Faraday speaking. Inspector, a call just came in from 50th Street. A woman for the Simmons Construction Company was shot to death five minutes ago. What? Yeah, while he was up on the 20th floor laying concrete. Nobody knows where the shot came from. Well, uh, what's the address? Don't know where the guy got killed? Uh, 1021 50th Street. Thanks. Get me a squad car, will you? Yeah, you bet. What's the matter, Inspector? Maybe I'm going to work for you after all, John, but not on those parking tickets. You've just had a murder in your company. What? A murder. One of the foremen on that building you're putting up was just shot to death. Oh, no. No, he says. Yes. Now, now, don't get too upset about it. Murder's my business. I solve them every day. Now, come along, and I'll show you how I do it. I certainly will. Oh, uh, you were going to see Blackie, weren't you? Yes, but I think that had better wait. Uh, this won't hold you up long. Come on down to your building with me, and then we'll go up and see Blackie. Pull yourself together. My foreman murdered. It'll take time for me to get over this. Uh, cheer up, John. It's your foreman who's dead, and he'll never get over it. How's Blackie doing in there, Shorty? Shh, Miss Wesley, she's sleeping. Oh. Good, good. Don't be the way he can't talk, that's what I call something. Oh, laryngitis doesn't last. He'll get his voice back to Gee, I sure hope so, Miss Wesley. Because unless you're here with Blackie, too, I, I ain't got nobody to talk to. <laughs> oh, oh, that's probably a doctor. Mm. Come in. Hello, Miss Wesley. Well, Inspector Faraday. You know John Simmons, don't you? Don't you, Miss Wesley? Oh, yes, yes, of course. We met several months ago. I'm glad to see you again. You're looking as lovely as ever, Miss Wesley. Well, I'll have to see a photograph of ever. 
before, I'm sure I like that. <laughs> I ain't nobody glad to see me. Oh, sure. Oh, as long as Blackie isn't with you, I'm always glad to see you, Shorty. Uh, you know Mr. Simmons, don't you? Any guy who knows Blackie, I know too. How are you, Mr. Simmons? A little puzzled at the moment, Shorty. Uh, look, John, will you believe me? It's a simpler murder case as I've ever worked on. Oh, you must mean the murder of the foreman on that 50th Street building. How do you know about that? Well, you heard it on the radio. My company is constructing that building. Oh. That's why I'm so upset. Uh, look, John, let me worry about that murder. And let's not talk about it anymore. Now, come on, let's go in and see the invalid. Well, uh, just, just a minute. Mr. Simmons can go in to see Blackie, but I don't think you ought to, Inspector. <laughs> All I want to do is cheer him up, Miss Wesley. You know me. I know Blackie, too. One look at you, and he'll probably strain his vocal cord trying to outshout you. What's the matter with him, Miss Wesley? He caught a very bad cold last week, and he still can't use his voice. Well, that's what I've been waiting for. Come on, come on, John, let's go. <laughs> All right, Inspector Faraday, you may both see him. But only for a few minutes now, mind you. I'll wake him up for you. Before. Imagine, for once he won't talk back to me. Oh, he's awake already. Um, Blackie, the inspector, and John Simmons are here to see you. Good morning, gentlemen. Please. Hello, Blackie. You certainly look fine. Oh, John. Glad to see you. Uh, don't let him kid you, Blackie. You look awfully sick to me. It's looking at you that's made me sick, Faraday. You know, I think you better go to a hospital, Blackie. Even your jokes need a doctor. You... Darling, darling, please don't talk. No, just listen. You'll be surprised how much you learn. There's been a murder at the building I'm putting up on 50th Street, Blackie. Wish you were out of bed to work on it. If he gets out of bed and meddles in this murder case, I'll work on him. It's the simplest kind of killing. I know the killer already. The guy's wife. It's got to be her. The killer could be anybody. Even you, John. Let's hope not. Aren't you a wise guy, Blackie? John here couldn't be the killer. He was in my office when the foreman was shot. Um, excuse me, Inspector, but if you found out where the shot came from... Well, you don't have to be excused for that question, Miss Wesley. The shot was fired from one of the high buildings in the neighborhood. And we'll probably never know which one. And the same goes for all your suspects, Faraday. <laughs> that voice of yours sounds awfully silly, Blackie. Does it? Wait, you see how you look when you can't find your killer. <laughs> Miss Woods, I'm I'm sorry to come to your home at a time like this. But your husband has been murdered, and it's my job to find out who killed him. I understand, Inspector Faraday, but I don't know what I can do to help. You can tell me who might have killed your husband. But I don't know. Look, Mrs. Woods, a guy doesn't get shot for no reason. But I can't find a reason. There can't be any reason. But there has to be. What did your husband do wrong? Nothing. Hmm. You're telling me. I checked into his background. He was the most popular foreman on the job. He was a leader of his lodge. He was the best-liked guy in this neighborhood. What's more, he didn't have an enemy in the world. Everybody liked him, Inspector. Somebody didn't. How could anyone ever dislike him? He never did anything wrong. What kind of a husband was he? A perfect one. Mm, seems to have been a perfect everything, including a perfect target. Please, Inspector, I can't talk about this any longer. I'm sorry, Mrs. Woods, but this simple murder is getting complicated. And I'm getting nowhere. I'm sorry, Look, I... look, Mrs. Woods, now, uh, about your husband's family. Was there any, uh, any trouble, uh, 
jealousy or something like that, hmm? Bill was awfully good to his family. He gave them everything he could. Where? Maybe that's a clue. What do you mean? Maybe he gave his family too much, and you too little. And you might be the one who killed him. Did that, uh, hit home, Mrs. Wood? No. And he was shot by a high-powered rifle from a long distance. Only you could know what he was wearing and exactly where he'd be and be able to spot him from far away. That's not so. I don't expect you to agree with me, Mrs. Woods. But I tell you something you can't expect. Yes? A complete investigation of what you were doing at the time your husband was killed. I was sleeping. Oh, so you were sleeping then, huh? Maybe you're going to have to prove that, Mrs. Woods. Because I'm wide awake now. Shall I keep on reading, Blackie? Yes, Mary. Go ahead. All right. Um, according to this newspaper, police say it is impossible to tell from which building the shot was fired. Because Wood's fellow workmen can't agree in what position the dead man was standing when he was hit. But the police, nevertheless, are searching all high buildings in the area in hopes of finding some clue. Uh, does it say what kind of a gun he was killed with? Yo, yo, a high-powered rifle with probably a telescopic sight. He was shot through the heart. Any motive? No. No, according to this paper here, police have no idea why he was killed. He had no family troubles, no financial troubles. And his standing in the community was perfect. What are you writing, darling? Something I want you to tell Faraday. Get him on the phone, huh? Of course. Here you are, Mary. Read this to Faraday. All right. Blackie, do you mean what you say in this note? Afraid I do. Hello? Faraday speaking. Oh, Inspector, this is Mary Wesley. Now, look, don't bother me. I'm busy. But I have an important message for you from Blackie. I'm not interested. Well, you should be. It's about Bill Wood's murder. What does Blackie know about that? Only this. That another workman is going to be killed in the same place and in the same way. Better, Tom. Nothing, Jack. Except I wish they'd get that west floodlight on. Those lights are making crazy shadows without it. I send a man down to see if something can't be done. Don't let the shadows get you, Tom. Yeah, but I was thinking, this is the exact spot where Bill Woods, the day foreman, got shot today. I'm the night foreman, so what? Doesn't it bother you? Ah, forget it. Hey, you guys, come on over here with those forms. Concrete's coming. I'm going to give you a funny feeling up here. Well, I'm going to have a heck of a feeling in the morning if the boss asks me why we haven't finished this 20th floor. Come on, let's get this concrete done. Come on, you guys! Hurry with those floors! Concrete just come up on the elevator, Jack. Good, get those guys over with it fast. Rich. Hey, Jack! Jack, what's the... Holy mackerel! He's dead! Shopping for a new car, what do you consider? Styling, power, miles per gallon? You know, it sure pays to consider all the facts when you buy a new car. And the same goes for buying car insurance. Today, Nationwide Car Insurance offers you the broadest protection in the industry. 
claim service is fast, too. In fact, Nationwide Mutual of Columbus, Ohio, pays over half of its auto claims within 24 hours after notice of loss. Yet Nationwide's rates are among the lowest. It's your best buy by far, and your Nationwide agent can tell you all the reasons why. Call him soon. He's in the yellow pages. Nationwide Auto Insurance. Your best buy by far. Nationwide Auto Insurance. Always the best for you and your car. And now back to Boston Blackie. Boston Blackie is confined to his bed with laryngitis, but that hasn't prevented him from predicting that a second murder would follow the mysterious killing of Bill Woods, shot to death by a high-powered rifle while he was working high over the city in a building under construction. Faraday questions Bill Woods' wife, only to be reassured of what he already knows, that Bill Woods had no enemies. As we return to our story, it is shortly after the second killing. And Mary Wesley and Shorty are in Blackie's apartment when Faraday and John Simmons, employer of the two dead men, break into Blackie's bedroom. Blackie, I want to talk to you. So do I, Blackie. You know something about these please, killings. Please, 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 gentlemen. Blackie, sit. Now he's going to be a lot sicker when I get through with him. Blackie, how did you know Jack Barnes was going to be killed? I didn't know it, John. Just a guess. Hey, you know something, Blackie. Now, who told you? It's just a guess, I tell you. Now, you tell me a lot of things that aren't true. Blackie, how did you know the second foreman would be killed? Well, this is serious. Two of my men have been murdered. Hey, you think you have a serious problem, John. What about me? I have two murders to solve, and no suspect. I know both Bill Woods and Jack Barnes were killed by the same person. How do you know that, Inspector Faraday? I know it, Miss Wesley, because they were both killed by the same gun. And you have no idea why they were killed? If I know why they were killed, I might have a clue to their killer. You know, what surprises us is that you don't think it's Blackie. Uh, I'm beginning to wonder about him. I'll tell you that. It'd be just like Blackie to get out of bed and kill Jack Barnes just to just to make your guess come true. Not this week, Faraday. Blackie is not in the mood for murder. Hey, Blackie, what are you writing? Maybe it's my will. Mm. I couldn't have that much luck. The paper said there was no reason why Bill Wood should have been killed, Inspector Faraday. What about Jack Barnes? Same thing. He was just as well-liked as Woods, if not better. You know, there's always a reason for a guy getting killed. But this time I have two guys and no reasons. Well, who have you talked to? Everybody, including Bill Woods' wife. Hey, what are you writing, Blackie? Just Inspector, what was Bill Woods' wife like? A oh, nice-looking girl. In fact, I'd say she was beautiful. I thought for a while maybe she killed her husband. But I haven't found anything to prove it. Well, if she killed her husband, why would she have killed Jack Barnes? I didn't say she killed Jack Barnes. But you said the same person killed them both. Huh? That's right, Faraday. You did say that. Because they were both killed in the same way and by the same gun. Hey, wait a minute. Mrs. Woods has no alibi. Nobody saw her at the time of her husband's death. She says she was sleeping. Blackie, will you stop writing? I didn't think you would. We were talking about Mrs. Woods. Oh, yeah. Maybe Mr. and Mrs. Woods didn't get along. She could have killed him for that. And, and maybe she killed Jack Barnes because Jack knew she was the one who killed her husband. Hey, I'll see you later. Where are you going, Inspector? To see Mrs. Woods. Maybe she'll claim she was sleeping again when Jack Barnes was killed at 8 o'clock last night. Uh, why don't you knock off a little sleep yourself, Blackie? 
judging by your jokes, you need it. Blackie, will you do me a favor? Solve these two murders for me. Not only because the killer ought to be caught, but, well, men on the building are beginning to get restless. I can understand that. I'll try, John. Thanks, Blackie. I'd appreciate it. Um, let me know if I can help you in any way. I'll be at home. I'll take you to the door, Mr. Simmons. Thanks, no, Miss Wesley. I can find my way out. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. I'll be grateful for any help you can give me, Blackie. Goodbye. Mary. Hmm? Or Shorty. In the other room, I'll call him. Uh, Shorty. I have a little job for him. Shorty. Oh, well, darling, why not let me do it? I'll need you here. Okay. Uh, you want me, Miss Wesley? Yes, I do. Oh, what do you want? Blackie wants you to do something for him. Oh, sure, Blackie. Anything you say. Look, short one. Parody's having trouble with these murders. Hey, y- you want me to solve them, boss? Indirectly. Mm. I've written out a few instructions. All you've got to do is follow them. Is this the East Wing, nurse? Yes, sir, it is. I'm Inspector Faraday of the police. I'd like to see Mrs. Bill Woods. She's sleeping now, Inspector, but of course, if it's important, I'll waken her. Now, wait a minute. When was she admitted to the hospital? About six o'clock yesterday evening, according to our record, Inspector. Six o'clock. It's right here on my desk. I'll get it for you. Mm. She was admitted early last night. She couldn't have killed the second fool. What'd you say? Huh? Oh, uh, nothing. Oh, here you are, Inspector Faraday. Mrs. Woods' record. Hmm. Admitted at 6.15. Nervous prostration. Mm-hmm. I'd like to take a look in Mrs. Woods' room. That woman in there might not be Mrs. Woods. You policemen think of everything, don't you? Hmm. Well, we have to, you know. Yeah, I know. Well, here's a room. I'd appreciate it if you wouldn't have to wait for Oh, me. I won't. Well? Hey, you can close the door again, miss. Well, is that Mrs. Woods? I'm afraid it is. Afraid, Inspector? Why? I'm afraid Boston Blackie's going to stay in bed and find the answer to this before I do. Oh, maybe that's Shorty reporting, Blackie. I'll get it. Hello? Miss Wesley, this is Shorty. Oh, yes, Shorty. Have you finished? Yeah, I've done everything Blackie said. Just a minute. He's finished with your instructions, Blackie. Good. Have him tell you what he found out. Only hold the phone so I can hear him, too. Right. Uh, Shorty? Yeah? Uh, Blackie is listening to this, too. So tell him what you found out. Okay. Uh, first, I went to Bill Woods' house, see? His wife wasn't there. She went to the hospital just after the inspector talked to him. Yes? And there wasn't nothing wrong with Bill Woods. It was okay, just like Faraday said. What about Jack Barnes, the second foreman? Well, I'd say he was even more okay than Bill Woods. I, I talked to his wife. Why was she a beaut of a tomato? Real flickeroo. Never mind that, Shorty. What about Jack Barnes himself? Oh, he was solid, Miss Wesley. Swallow his wife, great to his kids. Had a real ritzy house. All done up slick inside. Yeah, he was an okay guy in the neighborhood. Hmm, what else? Uh, well, that's about all, I guess. Well, thanks, sure. Oh, wait, wait, wait a minute. Uh, Blackie has written something he wants you to do. Uh, just a minute. Oh, uh, here we are. He, he needs a photograph of Jack Barnes' house. What for? I don't know what for. But do it just the same, will you? Oh, sure, sure, I'll do it. But it sure is crazy. Don't worry about it, Shorty. 
Maybe Blackie thinks a photograph is about the only thing this investigation will develop. Well, if you won't tell me why you want this photograph, Blackie, will you at least tell me why you want these two hunks of concrete? I want to look at them, Shorty. Oh, Blackie, you're getting sand all over your blankets. Maybe those two foremen were killed because of the sand in these pieces of concrete. You're joking. I'm guessing. But the sand in this piece is different from the sand in the other. Oh, and maybe one isn't as good, huh? Well, maybe an inferior grade of sand could be a motive for this murder. Right. Shorty. Uh, yeah, boss. Take these pieces of concrete to a laboratory and have them analyzed. Oh, sure, boss. Right away. And Mary. Yeah? Call Faraday and John Simmons. Ask them to come up here. You never fail, do you, Blackie? Even flat on your back, you're going to put Inspector Faraday back on his feet. Well, I wish I knew what... All right, Blackie. I don't know what Everybody is here you, and waiting. Oh, I don't. Now, are you going to tell me who killed those two men? You're going to tell us, Mary. I am. You're going to read the answers as I get through writing it. Nobody knows the answer, Blackie, because so far there isn't one. Well, Inspector Faraday, maybe you're right about Mrs. Woods. The same person killed both Woods and Barnes. And Mrs. Woods was in the hospital when Barnes was shot. Hey, what's this photograph? It's a picture of Jack Barnes' home. What's it doing here? I've been trying to find that out ever since Shorty brought it to us. Here's the answer to everything, Mary. Read it and watch Faraday Week. Uh, Blackie, you're just wasting your strengths and my time. Ignore the inspector and read those notes, Mary. Everybody ready? Yes. Yeah, we're ready. All right, all right. Here's what Blackie's written. Quote, There are three people involved in this crime. A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. Now, just a minute. A was the first to die, killed by B. B died next, at the hands of C. I tell you, the same person killed both A and B. Well, now, here's what Blackie writes about that, Inspector. Uh, what? Both persons were killed in the same way by the same gun, but not by the same killer. In this case, two killers used the same gun. All right, that's possible. But what about motives? Wait a minute. Here is the motive paragraph, Inspector. Um, A, Bill Woods, was killed by B, Jack Barnes. Huh? Now, let me finish. Because Woods told Barnes he thought the grade of concrete used in the building was inferior. Barnes knew it was, went to see, and received instructions to get rid of Woods. Hmm. He got rid of him by killing him. Mm. I can check on that concrete. It's already checked. Here's the lab report Shorty got. Uh, you're trying to do my job for me, huh, Blanky? He's done it, Inspector. Listen to this. After Barnes killed Woods, he went to see... And demanded more money to keep quiet about the inferior concrete. But, but if you... So C killed Barnes. In other words, there were two different killers, but the motive for each murder was the same. Now, I've read nursery rhymes that solved a crime better than this. Who's this guy C, or is a guy named D going to kill him? Hold your breath, Inspector. C is in this room, sitting in the chair beside you. Huh? C is the boy. John... I've heard just about enough of this comedy. Haven't you, Inspector? Yeah, I certainly have, John. Wait a minute, wait a minute, please. I suppose there's more to that note of black. There is. Shorty? Yes? Shorty, tell Inspector Faraday what you found in John Simmons' house. Oh, sure, sure, Miss Wesley. It was the murder gun. A high-powered automatic rifle, see, with a telescope sight. 
Quiet twice. Satisfied, Inspector? No, not until I see it. Sure, Inspector, I'll go get it. Inspector Faraday, grab Mr. Simmons. He's trying to get away. I'll grab him. Let go of me. Let go. I'll let go of you after I let go of this. Now, get up. Come on, come on up. All right. All right. If you want to talk, John, it may go a lot easier on you. Why should I talk? You know about the concrete. You have the gun. You don't have to know anymore. Yeah. I know you were lucky enough to be in my office with a story about traffic tickets at the time Woods was killed. That wasn't luck, Inspector. That was because he knew when Barnes was going to kill Woods. He planned to be in your office at that time. Uh, I can figure this out from here, Miss Wesley. Come on, John. Why did you kill Barnes? Well, the answer to that is easy, too, Inspector. Mr. Simmons was being blackmailed by Quiet, Miss Wesley. Come on, John. You better talk. How did you get the gun to kill the first foreman? Oh, I know that one, too. Barnes gave it to him to hide. Hey, look. Where are you getting all these answers? Blackie wrote them out for me. And here's the last one. Simmons thought it would mislead police if both men were killed in the same manner. You certainly misled us plenty, John. But there's nothing misleading about your going to jail. Hey, hey, where's Shorty with that murder gun? You tell him, Mary. Well, you have a confession now, so I can tell you, Inspector. We were, um, just guessing about that gun. But we know now you'll find it in Mr. Simmons' house. Well, concrete caused two murders. I guess that's that. Oh, wait a minute. Blackie's writing something more. Here, here, I'll take it, darling. What does it say? It says, Faraday, this is one time a murderer will be convicted on concrete evidence. That's Case Closed for this week. You can find more from Broadway Is My Beat, Boston Blackie, Case Closed, thousands of other old-time radio episodes, and all the other Relic Radio shows at relicradio.com. Our Shoutcast stream is up and running there as well. And if you'd like to help support this and all of the shows, you can donate through the website or visit donate.relicradio.com. We've got some downloadable sets for certain donation amounts. Any amount is always appreciated and helpful. Thanks to those who have helped out. Thanks for joining me today back next Wednesday with another hour of Case Closed.